everyone. Welcome back to Adhering Apologetics. As always, brought to you by you with your support on patreon.com slash Adhering Apologetics. Today, I'm joined by Kyle Allender. He runs the Christian Idealism YouTube channel. He's an up-and-coming philosopher. We're going to be talking about the principle that you've been developing for the principle of simple unification. But Kyle, uh, long time no see. How are you doing? I'm good. Nice to be here. How's the California like treating you with um, everything going on in our nation and such right now? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's pretty. I, I tell people all the time, just be, you know, if your candidate loses or wins, it's okay. That you know, your lives are not going to really change that much. I know my life's not going to really change that much, regardless of who wins president. Um, just calm down. Let the courts handle it at that point. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's probably about all the politics we'll be talking yeah. about today. We're going to be talking about some more interesting stuff like philosophy and kind of understanding the deep nature of reality and stuff with this principle that Kyle has been developing, um, the principle of simple unification. Uh, but before we get into all that stuff, like if people don't know like who you are and what you do, I believe it's your second time being on this show, just talk a little bit about like who you are. Yeah, my name is Kyle Allender. Um, I run the Christian Idealism YouTube channel. Um, my main focus is philosophy of mind, as well as um, the philosophy of religion as well. Um, I'm hoping to become a philosopher one day. Uh, of course, that's a long path, but I believe I'm on the track to do that. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Yeah, good stuff. So what got you interested in like um, philosophy and apologetics? Obviously, most of your work is in like idealism and the philosophy of mind. You have very good arguments for idealism. That's where you focus. Like yeah. what got you interested in this question? Um, I, I guess it just I started watching Michael Jones's stuff and it really got me thinking about, you know, the nature of reality and stuff. Um, and then more recently, I've been playing around with um, certain concepts of God, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, philosophy, I mean, metaphysics to me seems very interesting because it's like the nature of what reality is. Right. Because I think a lot of people don't really think about that. Um, so that's that's what I like the most. I think it's just very interesting about, you know, the nature. What is the nature of reality? And like, what is that sort of thing that we experience every day? So, yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting question to kind of go deep into, like, what is the fundamental, like, nature, um, necessary nature of reality, assuming we accept a form of the PSR here. Um, yeah. But um, I'm curious, just because obviously, like, you're an idealist, before we get into this, the PSU stuff, like, if you were going to give, like, a 60-second elevator pitch on, like, what does it mean to be an idealist? Why are you an idealist in terms of, like, philosophy of mind? Like, what's your elevator pitch for idealism? Yeah, so idealism is basically the idea that we are in a, in a kind of, like, a mental reality that all that exists is really experience. Now, the reason why it's called idealism is precisely because it's about ideas and ideas are thoughts. Um, it, that could be transpersonal thoughts or, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's basic ideas that reality as a whole is within consciousness and consciousness, of course, is experience. And so all of reality is mental in that, some, in that same sort of way, right? Mm -hmm. um, I guess you can say some people... Some idealists um, say that we're we're in some sort of like immediate experience. Other idealists say that we're in a dream world, right? So that's one way you can kind of think about it. But I guess the basic concept is that all that exists is experience. Um, so yeah. Yeah, well, awesome. Um, so now we're going to dive into talking about uh, the principle of simple unification here, the PSU for a little bit. Um, for people listening, uh, this is kind of new to me. Like, I'm not super familiar. Most people aren't because it's a principle that Kyle's developing. So Kyle's just going to kind of like walk through that. And if you have questions as you're listening, you should have dropped them in the chat. And I'll be kind of following along and just trying to come up with things as we keep going. Yep. Uh, but I'll, be, I'll turn to you, Kyle, and just kind of maybe just start off with like, what is the PSU? What's it all about? And kind of like your story developing it and all that like what is the principle of simple unification so the psu is called the principle of simple unification um it's a principle that um i came up with the name although the idea behind it actually has been around for quite some time something that i've noticed in discussions between philosophers like when you listen to josh rashmussen talk with graham oppie or perhaps robert coons talk with um atheist philosophers you kind of see this I see this pattern go on. I, I saw this pattern. They're basically saying the same thing, but they're they're not getting to the core sort of issue. So I, I, what I was trying to figure out, okay, they're they're saying something here that I think could be used um, as a as a, some some sort of like new principle, and it's called this, the principle of the PSU, the principle of simple unification. And what it basically says 
is that for any set of contingent or necessary facts, that there is a simple root that sort of unifies all of those facts. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's just take, um, let's just take like brute facts about reality. So let's say that uh, the universe is just a brute fact, or let's just say that um, consciousness or mathematics are just brute facts. Well, according to the PSU, if you take those brute facts, there has to still be something simple that kind of unifies and makes sense of those brute facts. So what the PSU is doing is basically saying like, hey, I could accept that there is brute facts about the re about reality, but that there's a simple root that kind of makes sense of those brute facts, why they're there, that sort of thing, right? Mm. I mean, so that's what the PSU does. And I, I noticed this, this sort of idea being used against atheists, right? Because a lot of, we'll get into it later, but a lot of the um, athe analytic atheist philosophers, their kind of explanations about reality have to do about brute facts or perhaps necessities, right? And the sort of counter you can bring up is this principle of PSU, which basically says that there is a simple unifying root to all those brute facts, right? Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't, that I'm not, I'm not saying that this doesn't disprove um, like naturalism, but it does kind of, I guess, get us closer to what the nature of reality is, right? Because I'm, you know, I'm sh maybe a naturalist could hold to some, you know, um, unifying root or something like that. But um, regardless, you know, we're still going to have to have something um, simple there. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah, why? So I think um, you talk about in the PSU, this like simple unifying root um, that can, we can kind of deduce down to the, like the nature of reality. And like, why well, think there is this simple like unifying root in the first place? Because it seems like with the PSU, a lot of it hangs on this idea that uh, whether it's mathematics or maybe, I don't know if you'd say like the laws of logic, maybe or, like these different like contingent things or things that wouldn't maybe exist necessarily. Um, they come into some sort of like simple root. Like why believe that in the first place? Well, I think it's just the reason why we should believe it is because that's how all good theories operate, right? So when you look at, for example, scientific theories, you want a theory that can start off with the simplest or the smallest number of fundamental facts, right? Or let's, let's just, you know, we can, we can call it an equation or perhaps, um, you know, something like that. Because like when you look at physics, for example, um, a lot of physicists are trying to figure out how to unify all the laws of nature into one law, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the that's basically like the the holy grail of physics right now, which is trying to um, combine quantum mechanics with general relativity, and they're trying to unify them in a way to where whatever that fundamental like equation is doesn't even really have to have um, any sort of numbers to it, so to speak. Like it's simple in that sort of way, um, and that's that's what physicists to this day they're still trying to figure it out. But um, that's the basic concept is like. That's how scientific theories work, right? We start off with the simplest number, the smallest number of fundamental commitments about the world. And then we use those fundamental set of commitments to then explain everything else, right? So the PSU is, is really, the PSU is just um, like a theoric virtue. It's just pointing out like, hey, we need a unification to the things we are trying to explain, right? Um, and that's the sort of idea behind it. So in physics, you, you bring up this example in physics. So do like um, physicists believe that there is gonna there is some sort of like one like ultimate like unifying like law of nature or such that would like explain how all these other laws of nature would derive from? Is that like something that's common in the literature in physics? Yeah, they're trying to figure out how to basically have one equation that can describe pretty much the fundamental, um, you know, all of reality by one equation. Because right now what you have what you see in physics, right, is you have Einstein's equations, but then you also have Schrodinger's equation. You have like all these bunch of equations that are just, they explain different phenomena, but there's nothing that kind of unifies them. So physicists, they're trying to figure out how do we unify them, right? And their goal is to get, I mean, you even see this um, with the, that Japanese sign, I forgot his name, but um, yeah, you see him talk about this. <laughs> how um, there's like this, they're trying to get this one equation, probably preferably around this big or whatever, that kind of explains everything about reality. So you could see that principle, you can see the PSU being used as this sort of um, criteria for good scientific theories, right? Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is let's take that, let's take this sort of criteria that we use for science and we apply it to metaphysics. And so once we take the scientific that that sort of like scientific virtue and apply it to metaphysics, then we're gonna 
um, have a sort of a better understanding of the nature of reality. So, mm. so why I think this would apply to like metaphysics? Like I could see maybe like some atheists, um, maybe uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of the responses that you've heard from atheists to this later, but just talking about how um, maybe it doesn't necessarily apply to like metaphysics and like philosophy and things like this. Like maybe it's uh, this idea of like a PSU may work for like a, a natural science, like physics, but when we get into like philosophy and such, like why suppose that there has to be some sort of like simple unification? Like, couldn't there just be like multiple brute facts or something along yeah. those lines, the quantum field? that just exists without explanation uh something along these lines that would just uh, just kind of explain things like and we wouldn't need to uh suppose a psu would just be kind of like brute facts right so i think there's an important thing we should kind of understand with theoric virtues now um graham oppie he actually used theoric virtues to argue against the existence of god and in this book what he basically argued is like when we compare naturalism to, when we compare naturalism to theism Naturalism is simpler because it has um, kind of like less items in its ontology, whereas theism um, has natural facts plus something supernatural. Mm -hmm. So he concluded, you know, from there that although naturalism and theism, although they explain the same data, naturalism is simpler because it has these sort of less ontological items. Mm -hmm. But the issue is if you're gonna if you're gonna reject this sort of unification principle, like if you're gonna reject the PSU. Well, a solipsist can come up and say, oh, well, all of my own experiences are just brute facts, right? And that's that's the sort of, I, I like how you brought up the whole brute facts idea. Well, why can't there be um, some sort of like quantum void with no explanation? Well, the problem with that is, you know, a solipsist can come over and say, well, why can't my own experiences just exist necessarily? Mm -hmm. Like all my own experiences, right? And it actually, it's actually, it's funny because um, when, you, when you sort of apply those um, theoric virtues and you and you say that you have a bunch of these necessities um, I could be a solipsist where I just say there is no Zach right I'm just I'm just having these experiences right now um, and that and that's it right mm -hmm. like I'm just having these necessary experiences all the time there's no need to posit you know a Zach or some other minds that exist out there right if all my experiences are just necessary well that could work in fact that's probably a simple hypothesis and it has this sort of explanatory power, but it doesn't have unification, right? And that's the sort of critical issue. It doesn't really unify those sort of necessities, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what we're saying is that we we kind of, we really need to unify our theories into something that kind of, this sort of like simple word that kind of unifies all those, all those uh, necessities or whatever you want to call them. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. JMD apologetics says, if God exists, then why did all the votes for that person come ex nihilo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, fruit facts about votes that um, just happen. I don't know. I don't yeah. really follow politics. Uh, yeah. But um, I'm curious, like, how is this different than, let's say, like, um, a PSR? So we have in uh, the Blackwell Companion to Natural Theology, the first argument that's brought forth is Alexander Proust. He brings the Leibniz, um, probably butchering the name, argument for contingency. And it says there's contingent facts. There's a contingent fact that explains all contingent facts. Um, which results in a necessary being, which would be seem similar to kind of like what you're saying yeah. here, where there's some sort of like something that where all these contingent facts would come into some sort of like simple explanation. So like when you look at like maybe like an argument from contingency and like that respects, does your PSU differ in terms of like how that argument would work? Yeah, so it differs. It's more of like an extension. So the PSR basically says that we need an explanation for contingent facts, right? Now, um, the way there's a few ways you can go down there. Um, so if you like, for example, um, you could say that it's just necessary that certain things exist. So if it's if it's a necessity, well, you don't need a deeper explanation, right? Um, and that's this that's where the PSR kind of stops. But the PSU, what it does, it 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 actually extends the PSR because it says that all those necessities have to have something more simple that itself doesn't have like brute necessities or what have you, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to have, you're going to have to take all those brute necessities about the world and unify them into something that itself does not have any brute necessities, something that can explain itself that's in that sort of way, right? Mm. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, before we move on to like uh, talking about how this would be like applied to theism, though, I'm sure everyone mm-hmm. listening can kind of like see where this is going. Um, but like, is there anything you want to bring up like with this first part or just like with like the basics of like what the PSU is and how it just kind of like works and like why you kind of would believe in it before we kind of move on to like the second part of the discussion today? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few ways you could think of it. I don't, this might not be the best example, but there's a few like practical ways you can think about it. So one way is to um, just look at like the water system in your house, right? So you have water coming from the sink, you have water coming from the shower or, you know, the toilet, <laughs> but you know what I, yeah. So you have all these, you know, you have a water source and they all are united in the sense that they all come from the same water source in the house, right? Now, that, of course, that's a practical way of thinking about it. Or another way you can think about it is like a car factory, like all the cars came from something more simple, right? So when you when you sort of, you could think about this in practical terms. And then when you think of it in metaphysical terms, well, when you apply it to metaphysics, well, we then at that point, then it becomes, okay, what is the best explanation for all the facts about reality, right? So we take moral facts, we take um, fine tuning facts, we take facts about consciousness, right? The sort of traditional art, now, I don't want to, I know we'll talk about how it applies to theism, but when you take the sort of traditional arguments for God and you kind of see how they can all fit together that sort of way. Mm. So, yeah. uh, we'll read one question here um, before we talk about how it applies to theism. Um, it's a super chat from Sigifredo. Uh, welcome back, Sigifredo. Thank you so much for your super chat. Really appreciate your support. It says, if you look to physics in a conceptual view of facts, um, is there an uncertainty principle to object the facts in principle? Um what does that say about the facts of your views versus reality and physics give facts? Um, do you understand? Oh, what's yeah, yeah. I think he's talking about the uncertainty principle in physics. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, again, the uncertainty principle, that that's actually a law of physics, so that itself would be a fact, but yeah, so... Okay. Um, give facts. So is he saying like, I suppose at the end here, is he saying like we need some sort of like physical evidence for like this kind of like PSU? Is that um, oh. maybe implying that at the end? No, because I facts? mean, like, for example, you're not going to find physical evidence for simplicity, right? It's just etheric virtue, right? It's the same sort of thing with like, you're not going to find, I mean, I guess you could say you could find evidence for the PSR, <laughs> but you're not going to actually find PSR or the principle written somewhere or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to think of it more in a theoretic virtue sense. So once you think of it in that sort of way, then it becomes much easier to kind of understand how we can use it um, and apply it to some, you know, apply it to metaphysics, you know, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Um, well, we'll keep going. And thank you for your question, C. Fredo. And if you want to um, ask anything else, we'll get to it at the end. But let's talk about how the principle of simple unification applies to theism. So you've kind of established like it would seem like there's some sort of like simple root um, that would kind of explain all contingencies and just maybe even it would apply to brute facts, your PSU. Um, so how does this apply to like arguing for like some sort of like a theistic God? Right. So I think it's important to understand um, sort of the goals that arguments have, right? So traditionally what you see is you have, I mean, this this happens on both sides, but typically what you see is you have theists that put forth a bunch of arguments, right? Arguments for God. You have the atheists do the same sort of thing, right? At least so you have like the problem of evil or, you know, whatever. Um, so you see this sort of thing happen now. This doesn't, I mean, this doesn't always happen, but um, sometimes what you see is you, they present this as like a cumulative case. So you take three or four or five different arguments for God and you say, okay, all these arguments show that God exists. Now, the typical response you get from naturalists is to, you know, question some of the premises, say that, oh, well, like, for example, the argument from mathematics, right? That That's sort of a new argument. You just say, oh, well, it's just, it's just necessary that mathematics applies or is applicable to the universe. Or when you talk about morality, you just say, oh, it's just necessary that morality, or talk about fine tuning, you just say, oh, it's just necessary that, you know, the laws of nature have to be that way. Um, and that's the sort of um, responses that Graham Opry brings up in his, in this book, as well as um, arguing about gods. Um, where you, now, he doesn't always do this, but what you typically see is the sort of explanations um, 
to counter the theistic arguments is to just try to explain it in naturalistic terms, which boils down basically to brute facts mm -hmm. or necessary, you know, or brute necessities, right? So when you talk about the laws of nature under naturalism, it's just those are brute necessities, mm -hmm. right? I think um, Luke Barnes had this kind of, um, I scream up if you're ever listening to this, which I don't think you will be, unless you <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah. Uh, so much respect for you but he said it's like oppie's magic wand where um he weighs yeah. necessity of things that might be used for like theistic arguments whether it's like mathematics or fine-tuning or such mm -hmm. yeah yeah so you see this sort of thing in fact there's another book let me grab it real quick hold on give me one yeah, moment go for it we can enjoy um kyle's amazing stack of books here while he goes get and gets a book guys um i hope everyone's enjoying as we keep going while kyle is just grabbing something very quickly uh we will be doing a little bit of q a at the end we've been talking about the principle of, C unif of simple unification and kyle is back um so whenever you're ready you can keep on going okay so you have also this book why there's something rather than nothing and the sort of a lot of the responses to explaining reality is basically just brute necessities, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it, like it boils down to that, like especially when it comes to fine tuning, like that's something that atheist, analytical atheist philosophers really push hard on those sort of like brute necessity, that sort of brute necessity idea. Yeah. Uh, very quickly to brief in, if someone doesn't know, what does it mean to be like an analytic philosopher versus maybe like a general philosopher in a sense? Oh, that, <laughs> yeah, analytic philosophy is, um, it's basically looking at um, basically doing philosophy in the analytical sense. So you're talking like symbolic logic as well as um, things like, I don't know, just being very critical. Of course, it's different than the um, continental um, perspective. But yeah, you try to, I guess, define terms in very precise ways. But yeah, um, I just, I talk, I talk about analytic philosophy analytic atheist philosophers because those are probably the best ones in my opinion there's not really i don't know any good analytic continental philosophers so um or sorry atheist continental continental philosophers so that's why i like to say analytical atheist philosopher because i think they're probably much better at uh, arguing for naturalism than anyone else so mm. yeah um, so if you were going to give, once again, I talked about like making like an elevator pitch in the beginning, cause obviously you, you, most of your stuff in idealism, um, mm -hmm. but like an elevator pitch for like how this PSU could apply to like theism in a sense, like, what would you say? Why think that this, um, PSU, if true would apply to theism? Well, so it, it applies like this. So let's take Oppie's approach. Okay. So let's take a naturalistic approach to explain a reality. So let's just say that the fine tuning is necessary, right? Let's just grant that. Let's just grant that to the naturalist. Let's not dispute it, you know, whatever. Let's just say, okay, yes, I agree. Fine-tuning is a brute necessity or whatever. Then you go to mathematics, the, you know, the argument for mathematics. Just say, okay, yes, we agree it's a brute necessity. Um, morality, brute necessity. Um, the laws of logic, the laws of mathematics, brute necessities, right? So let's just take them brute, you know, either they're brute necessities or they're sort of explained by something deeper or maybe they're just descriptions whatever, let's just go all the way, full naturalistic picture of the world, okay? Now, under naturalism, you have all these brute necessities, right, that are kind of just floating out there. Um, but what the PSU does is it is it takes all of the brute necessities about the world and it unifies them into something much deeper, something that can make sense of those brute necessities. And I would say that something that can make sense of those brute necessities is something that's perfect, something that would predict, like, or can, or maybe not predict, but contain, for example, um, the laws of logic or the laws of mathematics. And then from that from that sort of simple root, um, because of its sort of like perfect infinite nature, is able to then make sense of things like fine tuning and make sense of all the facts, right? Mm -hmm. And when you get down to the simple root of reality, that is something that has the least amount of fundamental commitments because something with the least amount of fundamental commitments, I would say is something that's simply, or I guess you can call it simple perfection simpliciter. So basically something that is simple, but also perfect in its nature. And then from that perfection, from that simple, perfect nature, you're able to then explain and predict all of the sort of necessary 
and brute facts about reality. Mm. Um, so really, all, really all, all that theism is really doing at this point is just taking naturalism and say, hey, let's just unify these sort of like brute necessities and make sense of them. And that's that's where you get, you know, God <laughs> and that sort of in that in that sort of way. Mm. So um, something I'll bring up again, we kind of talked about this earlier, but I think a lot of the times um, maybe the atheist or skeptic listening will be like, OK, Kyle, I'm tracking with you like we could have these brute necessities. Um, but then why I think the explanation goes any deeper um, you talk about how this kind of can you have maybe like a, a mathematics and a fine tuning like um, right you have mm -hmm. things, but then like why I think it goes deeper than that, and then why I think, think perfection right. um, going uh, beyond that. And that's a good point, right? So let's just say that there is no simple root, right? So let's just say there is no perfection. Well, if that's the case, well then your theory is going to have to have a bunch of fundamental set of commitments. So it actually it has to have more fundamental set of commitments. So what does that mean? Well, basically means that because you don't have something that can unify all those facts, then in order to sort of link those facts or make sense of them, you have to say there's a bunch of fundamental set of commitments, mm. right? Yeah. And if you have that sort of theory, well, that's not simple, right? That's ad hoc. Like that's the definition of an ad hoc theory, right? If you're just going to have a bunch of these like brute necessities, if you're going to say like fine tuning is just a brute necessity or morality or consciousness, um, stuff like that. Well, having these sort of brute necessities, that's going to give you a theory with a bunch of fundamental study commitments. And that's not a simple theory, hmm. right? Um, that's going to, that's going to, that's going to give you more costs to the theory. So a better theory is something that can unify all those facts. So then you, you actually, you wouldn't have a bunch of um, fundamental set of commitments. You'd only have one fundamental set of commitment, and that one fundamental set, of, that one fundamental commitment, um, would would explain all the other facts, mm. right? Um, and so that's the better. Obviously, we prefer the theory that has unification and can make sense of all the facts, rather than just you know having a bunch of facts and no explanation. Right. So again, when we apply theoric virtues, like what Oppie does here, when we use this argument or use this sort of argument, and then we apply the PSU to um, his sort of like naturalistic picture or this naturalistic picture, well, then theism is going to be the winner at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I know that sounds, you know, that might sound a little crazy, but I mean, that's what I think is true. Yeah, yeah. So. I think that um, especially if you're going to like argue that things like, let's say, mathematics and fine tuning and you have to have some sort of like matter or energy or quantum vacuum or something like that, that's going to be fundamental. You're having you're adding a lot of like ontological commitments into your things that seem like I see that where the PSU is coming in because it seems like these things would have to be separate, like mathematics would be necessary, but it doesn't necessarily depend on maybe like right. fine tuning. Um, and I can see exactly where the heart of the PSU is. And I think um maybe the atheist will say, uh, you know, Kyle, you could be right here, but what if they just deny uh, brute facts? Maybe they'd say there's some sort of like infinite regress to try to avoid like brute facts or maybe some other way of kind of like saying like, I'm an atheist, but I don't believe in brute facts. Um, I don't know exactly what route that would go. It'd be interesting. I haven't read too much on like the atheist philosophy religion regarding just in from people who just deny brute facts. Um, but just like, what if, what if they try to like go away from these brute things and just say, Hey, maybe there's one brute thing or um, there's no brute facts at all. Well, it'll depend on, because I don't believe in brute facts. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that God is necessary. So the best sort of route, the nat or the naturalist and the atheist can maybe go down would be to have this infinite regress of, but then, if that's the case, well, that's not, that's still not a good theory, mm -hmm. right? You're still going to have to have an infinite. So I would say that's actually worse <laughs> than, uh, <laughs> that's way worse than ha like, if you're not going to have brute facts, if you're going to, if you're going to try to avoid the PSU, but then you don't want brute facts, you have to have this infinite regress. I think that's, that's, I think that's actually worse mm -hmm. um, because it doesn't explain anything. In fact, that's not an explanation at all. Um, that's just, well, that's an, inf an infinite regress and there is no explanation. I mean, if we applied that to scientific theories, that our science couldn't work in the way that it does, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I would say we have, to, we have to stop somewhere. And I think the best place to stop is something with a simple, perfect nature. Hmm. So, yeah.
Yeah. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about here is obviously you've, you've engaged with some atheists like on your PSU. I know you and Tim had um, Ben Watkins on to talk about it. I know you had Joe Schmidt on, who's Joe Schmidt, who's an agnostic. I don't know if you talked with the PSU with Joe. I didn't talk, yeah, I didn't talk with okay. him about it. But like, yeah. with the, like the atheists and like agnostics that you've kind of encountered talking about like the PSU, what's kind of like been their reaction to it? Um, so far, I haven't really um, had any backlash yet. I mean, Ben Watkins, he agreed with it. Um, so I I don't really see too much backlash. I think at this point, the debate is going to be not on the PSU, but rather what is the simple route? So it gets us closer. So I think the PSU is actually going to help shrink in the gap problem. And I'm sure you know what the gap problem is. And the gap yeah, problem- Yeah, and just for people listening, the gap problem is kind of like, how do we get from first cause to God? Yeah. Um, so I think what this will do is this will- um, not close the gap, but it's going to shrink in the gap to a point where um, I think both sides could actually agree that there is a simple route to reality. It's just, what is that simple route, right? Um, you know, a naturalist may, I don't know what they would, I don't know what a naturalistic simple route would look like. I've tried to think of ways that naturalists could have um, a simple route that kind of unifies everything. I don't know what it is. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest with you. But um, I, I I don't know. I mean, to me, I don't I don't I don't want to really use the PSU as a weapon. Mm -hmm. I like to use it as a tool to maybe maybe we can get some sort of synthesis from this. Maybe maybe naturalism and theism, at least from a you know a philosophical perspective, maybe we can finally come to an agreement about the nature of reality, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's very interesting. Mm. So yeah. Um... So I'm curious, I saw another question, a couple questions come in. We are going to answer questions again in about 10 minutes here. So if you have questions or super chats, feel free to send them. But like Ben, um, Ben's an atheist, obviously. So like, where does Ben's kind of objection uh, lay with the PSU? Like, how does, it, where does he see it, like not get to God um, in terms of how he sees the PSU? Well, his, so he's, I think there's two things he said in our talk. So one, he said that other people may disagree about the PSU which is understandable. Um, the other thing is that it may, it may not get you to a perfect being, but it, it, it'll probably get you to some sort of like deistic God. So like, like for example, um, he's a, he's actually a Hegelian. So he actually think he, his view of God is a little different than, uh, than the, of course the perfect being theism, but mm -hmm. um, he thinks that um, nature is fully rational and that there is some sort of like, like rational, source to nature but that this is some sort of like deistic god which um i think i think that would probably be the best route to go for a naturalist which is just accept deism <laughs> i know that sounds kind of weird but um like because i understand like a lot of naturalists for example don't don't want to um don't they, they don't want to accept that god is perfect because of the problem of evil right so that's mm -hmm. a really big barrier for them and of course the psu is not going to really say anything about that so I think the best route for naturalists to go is to become deists, in my mm -hmm. opinion. At least that would probably be the best um, sort of um, competitor against the perfect being hypothesis, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Ben says he's an atheist. Obviously, I'd love to have Ben on here and we could just like clarify his views. Yeah. Um, but like, so wait, Ben would believe in like this rational mind in a sense, but he'd still like consider himself an atheist and not just like a, a lack of like a non-theist atheist but more of like there is no god like how does that really yeah he um, he holds work? to hegelian sort of hegelian god um i try to he i i was trying to like clarify what his view was i asked him like hey like does this mean that god is like a social construct or a, a useful fiction and he's like no um so i think he approaches god in a much different way than the traditional way i mean you would have to ask him but um but yeah, I mean, we we really didn't disagree much in our conversation about the PSU. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what is. Yeah. Shout so. out to Ben Watkins, one of the nicest yeah. and most intelligent uh, atheists out there. Yeah. Um, great person to listen to in terms of like seeing the philosophical side of atheism, even though Christianity and theism is true. Um, but 
so where do you think the best way out is for like the skeptic or the atheist um, with like the PSU? Like, obviously, since it's not really in the philosophical literature, since you're like developing it, like, where do you think like a Graham Oppie or an Alex Malpass or some of the like the really maybe an Alex Rosenberg, some of the like the really prominent atheist philosophers out there? Like, where do you think they'd go with the PSU? Like what like what kind of objection like do you think would be like the best thing they could come up with or try to, something to try to get around the PSU and its ultimate like leading into theism? Yeah, so they could um, they could go an infinite regress route. Um, I'm not sure how that would work though, or they could somehow have some sort of like naturalistic container mm-hmm. of the, of brute facts. So you could, because even under perfect being theism, so like the laws of nature or the laws of logic, for example, um, I would say that those are contained within perfection. So I w- I could see them going. A similar route on their on their side where they would say that there is a simple root but that this simple root is kind of like a container of all the facts about the world mm. right um that's that's one way you can go but of course i would say that if you're going to do that like why not just have a perfect right something that's perfect kind of contain all the facts about the world i i don't honestly i don't know but um i'm not sure how they would get around it i think the best way they could go is to come up with some, cause I mean, there's objections to the PSR. So um, they would probably have to come up with some objections against, or some arguments against a simple route for reality or something like that. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, before we uh, go to some questions here for the last um, 10, 15 minutes, depending on how many questions we have, uh, Sorry. Um, yeah, it's okay. Is there anything, is there anything that you kind of want to bring up in terms of like the, the apl- applicability of like the PSU to theism before we move into some Q&A? Okay, yeah. So the best way to sort of um, use it is what you do, because this, so this is what you do. So you, you, so you take the arguments from natural theology, right? So you take the argument from contingency, the argument from consciousness, like all the arguments for God, like as much as you can, as many as you can get, right? Um, so you, you take all those arguments, right? And you use that, you use those arguments to show that theism has explanatory power. It can explain, you know, things about the world, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what the arguments do. And then you use the PSU and you see, okay, um, what theism does then is you take the PSU and you, you take all those arguments, you know, and you say, okay, theism is simple because you know, the, you know, the root for reality is something that has a perfect, simple nature. So it has simplicity. It has explanatory power because of the arguments for God. And then it also has uniformity because of the PSU. Um, so the sort of way that I like to think about it is under naturalism, if you are only talking about simplicity and explanatory power, like what Oppie does here, if you're only talking about those um, theoric virtues, I think that naturalism wins. However, once you apply the PSU, then theism wins. So basically, it, the tables turn essentially um, <laughs> once once you apply the PSU. Mm. So um, yeah, what one thing I just kind of thought of very briefly here before we go into some QA is what if like obviously I'm sure most if not all atheists would say natural theology ultimately fails. There's no good arguments for God. Um, like how would you kind of respond to that as like an objection to the PSU? Well, I would just have to examine the arguments, right? Um, you would have to also cl- you have to clarify what they mean by fail because if you're only using the arguments to show that um, that theism has explanatory power, well, we're not using the arguments to prove that God exists. We're just using it to show that theism at least has um, explanatory power, right? So mm-hmm. if you use the sort of so if you use the arguments as tools rather than weapons, right? Because I mean, a lot of theists like to use them as weapons. Um, but if you use it as tools and, you know, you use it to show like, hey, theism does have explanatory power um, as much as naturalism does. Um, and if we can agree to that, at least, then um, then we can then we can use the PSU and then we can show why um, theism is the better hypothesis. Hmm. So, 
Yeah. Awesome. 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 Good stuff. Uh, we'll go to a little bit of Q&A here for this time. If you have questions or through Super Chat, if you want to support the show, um, we'll answer those here in the next little bit of time we have left. Um, Cee Fredo again with another Super Chat. Thank you, Cee Fredo, for really appreciate your support again and always your questions. Um, he says, if you go for simplicity, isn't that Thomistic? I'm sure he's referring to divine mm -hmm. simplicity here. Um, what does that say um, when Christianity says when God is changing um so I think he thinks maybe God has like emotions or mm -hmm. uh, maybe the laws change. Like maybe got like the old Testament God is different than the new Testament God. I think that might be where he was going. And then you're, and then obviously wouldn't Christian theism be adding um, complexity with like the Trinity, uh, multiple gods, paganism, I think is kind of what he's saying here. So a few different questions. I don't know if maybe you want to break it down and go yeah. little by little. So it's interesting because I've actually thought about um, the Trinity. Now my, my sort of idea of um, simplicity is a little different than the Thomistic view. So I would say that God is simple perfection and then all of his attributes kind of come from that perfection right so it's not the Thomistic idea because i do still make these distinctions um, within god's nature these conceptual distinctions but they all come from the same sort of root which is perfection um now when it comes to the trinity um i've been still trying to figure out i guess my my sort of response to that is the trinity in this case wouldn't um I guess you could say that the simple root has a relational nature right now would be the Trinity. Um, and so now the reason why it's three, um, I don't know why there's only three persons rather than, you know, multiple persons or whatever. Um, but regardless of which, which sort of um, view you take, it's not about the persons that it's not the persons themselves that God is perfect. Rather it's the essence of God that's perfect. So we have to make that sort of distinction. So the persons, the persons of the Trinity, that's not the perfection. That's not where the perfection of God really comes from. It comes from the essence because the essence is what God actually is right now. Of course we can ask, okay, why does God have three persons? Um, I don't know why, but that's not the point. The point is that God's essence is what is the perfection. That's where the perfection comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what I would say. It's almost um, someone when they say, are you saying that God it depends on perfection? Like he, it's almost like perfection is necessary and God kind of stems from perfection. I think obviously, I think that's obviously not what you believe. No, but like, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm just curious if you could clear that up for a second. Here. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that God is perfection, right? Mm -hmm. And the nature of that perfection is a relational nature, right? Now we can ask, hey, why does it, why is it only three? I don't know why, again, that's a that's a whole, I think, uh, interesting question. But mm -hmm. um, it wouldn't be God wouldn't be complex in that sort of way. Um, in fact, Robert Coons did a paper on the Trinity about how it's not incompatible with absolute divine simplicity. So, I mean, in terms of um, you know simplicity is concerned, God is simple in the sense of his essence. So God's essence is what is perfectly simple, and that's where you can kind of explain everything. Mm. So. Yeah. Um. Next question here from is from Benjamin Bethel. Thank you for your question, Benjamin. He says, uh, "Do you think everybody will agree that God is the simple root one day?" Um, let's hope. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I've been I've been thinking about this for a while. Like, you know, if you look at the sort of trends that atheists have gone down, um, it's there's been a lot of progress made, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think one day there might be an actual synthesis, and we might actually, you know, actually agree that God like. We, like philosophers could actually come to a consensus on this question of the existence of God. Maybe one day in the future, like we'll all be, you know, all the philosophers will be theists, right? Because of the PSU or something like that. So, I mean, it's, yeah, I could see that happening. It's possible for sure. Um, his name is Robert Coons, Benjamin. I'll type his name in the live chat. <laughs> I saw your question here. Yeah. One of the best theist philosophers out there. His work's definitely um, worth looking into. Uh, next question is, uh, why isn't Zach a metaphysical idealist? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've opened, I just haven't studied the issue or not the issue, but the topic of idealism enough to really take like a perspective. I definitely, I'm not a physicalist. Um, seems really, really hard to be a physicalist, especially like when you think about it and like the fact that you're thinking and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah. And I know I could destroy Kyle and de debunk idealism. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. The mind-body yeah. problem, Kyle, you're wrong. Um, yeah. 
A uh, question from Gavin Hurleyman that says, um, are the laws of nature descriptive or prescriptive? Pres- prescriptive? Thank you for your question, Gavin. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. So like when you talk about like the laws of nature, I think, I think they could be both descriptive and prescriptive. Like when you look at um, like the laws of reason, laws of logic, I think that while it's true that they're descriptive, I also think that they're prescriptive in the sense that everything in nature is rationally situated, right? So you're not going to find something that's both, um, you know, you're not going to find a house that's not a house, right? You're not going to find these sort of contradictions in nature, these direct contradictions, right? Um, So you're not going to find anything that's um, not rationally. So everything is rationally situated. And I think that does at least point to this idea of a rational sort of foundation for reality. So awesome. Um, Well, last question here, unless something else comes up, we'll answer any more questions or super chats. We still have a little bit more time, but this may be the last question um, from Plantiga with Bulldog, Kyle Volmar. He says, I know early on you use this principle to show that solifism is preferable to naturalism, but I haven't heard much on that in recent days. Do you still think that's true? Um, I think it'd be Um, helpful to define solipsism first before you kind of answer. So yeah, solipsism is the idea that, um, that only your mind exists and, I wouldn't. Okay, so I I want to I want to sort of clarify. So, um, solipsism would only work without the PSU. So, if you're not going to accept the PSU, then I would say that solipsism is preferable to naturalism because under solipsism you can just say that all of your experiences are necessary, right? So again, going under a naturalistic explanation of things, if you're going to say that a bunch of things are just you know necessary. Um, brute necessities or whatever, um, solipsism is better because, well, you have less necessary things in that sort of, in that, in that case, right? Because you don't have to posit other minds. You don't even have to really posit a universe, an objective universe. You just say it's just all experiences, um, (laughs) necessary experiences. So, um, so yeah, I would say that without the PSU, um, then solipsism is preferable to nationalism. Yes. Uh, another question here from Shane M. Thank you for your question, Shane. Uh, he says, is there a solar ultimate rule um, and standard that we can measure from, and what is it? I'm not sure what he means by that. Um, epistemically, I would, I, I guess you could say base, you could use uh, Bayes, Bayes theorem, but that's a, that's a interesting because, yeah, um, I, I'm not sure about that question. I'm not sure what he's referring to. I guess he can clarify what he means by that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we have another question here. And then if you want to clarify, Shane, uh, we'd love to answer your question. We have some Yeah, time. yeah. Just trying um, to clarify. Uh, Kyle, who says his name is Kai, says, um, follow-up question, aren't all your experiences nece- necessary um, um, bonds? Yeah, yeah. On yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. So under solipsism, um, I would say the best solipsistic hypothesis would be that all your all of your experiences are necessary. Yeah. Um, now, of course, that's preferable to naturalism. At least if you're gonna if you're gonna deny the PSU, then that's the sort of way you want to go. But uh, but yeah. Mm. All right. Um. Well, I mean, we don't have any other questions. If nothing comes up here, we'll kind of start to head towards wrapping things up, Kyle. But is there any kind of like last thoughts? Anything you want to bring up that kind of came up to your mind as we kept going before we wrap things up here? Um. Not really. I mean, again, this is a new principle, so I'm still developing it. I'm still waiting for objections from naturalists to come up. You know, maybe they can refute it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but as far as I'm aware, I mean, this principle is really going to, I think, help in conversations um, in philosophy of religion. So. Mm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I'm going to make sure to share this stuff out and hopefully um, we can get some of the skeptics maybe in the YouTube world or the online world or um, mm-hmm. outside of it to kind of respond to this because um, I think it's a really interesting principle. I'll go to a couple more questions here, but I think it's definitely something that if you're a, a non-theist, it's definitely going to be a challenge. Um, Jane says he's referring to an ultimate unchanging base by which we can understand reality. It's like a necessary being. Um, yeah, um, I, yeah, I think that goes back to the whole idea that all of the facts about the world have a simple root. So you take moral facts, you take fine tuning facts, you take facts about consciousness, right? So the naturalist wants to have all these facts, just brute necessities. Whereas under theism, you say that all of those brute necessities are kind of unified by the simple root and the simple root kind of makes sense of them. Right. 
Um, and I think obviously that's a better hypothesis, right? Um, so that's pretty much the whole point hmm. behind that. So, uh, Kyle clarifies again one more time. Um, Plantigas Bulldogs are Kyle Vollmer, who has a bazillion YouTube accounts. What's up, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. Um, he says, um, but if on Solophism, all your experiences are necessary, and then that seems to posit more necessity than naturalism, right? Am I off here? Um, not really, because at that point, you're only talking about your experiences, whereas on naturalism, you have to have um, you have to have moral facts as necessary, and you also have to have fine-tuning facts as necessary, um, as well as like other things, um, like the laws of like the laws of mathematics or the you know the laws of uh, reason, you know stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I would actually say that under naturalism, you have to have not just mental necessary facts, but you also have to have um, extra mental necessary facts, which that's just not a good hypothesis. So, hmm. yeah. Awesome. Um, well, Kyle, we have no more questions here. We kind of gave last thoughts here. If people want to like, want to follow you and your work, um, how do they follow what you're doing? Yeah. So just go on my YouTube channel. It's Christian idealism. Um, I might do a few videos on the PSU and see how it can be used on, on theism, but we'll see. I'm still trying to work on it, but, um, but yeah, if you want to, Again, ask me questions. I my left the email on my. If you go to my YouTube channel, you go to about. Um, I have the email. It's massapologist at gmail.com If you guys have any questions on that, um, so yeah, that's that's my thing. Yeah, there's a link to Kyle's YouTube down below. Congrats on recently hitting a thousand subscribers. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff coming. Youth Apologetics Empire taking over really quickly. Another question from Albert Einstein slash Lebron Rody who says, "Is there an idealist MWI of quantum mechanics?" Yeah, it's called uh, Many Minds Interpretation. So yeah, awesome. Well, um. I just want to say thank you, Kyle, for coming on and talking about the PSU. Hopefully, we can keep the conversation getting pushed forward. Uh, lots of good stuff to chew on. I'd encourage everyone, if you're new to it here in Apologetics, as always, be sure to like or leave a review if you're listening via podcast. You can subscribe, as always. If you enjoy the show, I encourage you to consider supporting the show. We're fully supported by you guys. You can support the show on Patreon.com. Right now, we're about 75% funded, so you can support for $1, 2 $5 a month. Anything helps. Um, but, Kyle, it's been real, my guy. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it, man. Yep. Thank you. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. God bless.